let's go ahead. I, I think we can do this. God has already kept some promises this morning. He said he will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus said that where two or more are gathered in my name, I will be there also. And if you're a believer, Holy Spirit lives inside of you. In the first service, we sang uh, the doxology, which you probably don't know about. That's okay. Some of you know the doxology. But the very last line says, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Can we just praise him this morning? Is that okay to do, to give God the glory this morning? Let's go ahead and praise him. We're excited that he's here with us and excited what he wants to do. Go ahead and you can grab a seat. Hey, we are super glad that you're here this morning. Welcome to 2018. You made it through the first week. How about that? There's only, what, 300 and so many odd days to go until 2019, and we're glad that you're here. And uh, as we walk into 2018, um, I, I believe that many of you, just as myself, are beginning to think about, before you got here, what needed to change in 2018, what needed to improve what, what more did you need for 2018? Because none of us looked at 2018 and said, we've got enough. We want to keep going. And so this morning, uh, just a real quick question. You can raise your hand. How many of you have thought about or are thinking about or have made a New Year's resolution? Would you just raise your hand real quick just to kind of let me know that? There you go. Good deal. Many of you are kind of thinking through those things. And I want to kind of walk you through some of the maybe the most popular New Year's resolutions. And we've got our nice little uh, Kerplunk game. That, how many of you played the game Kerplunk when you were growing up? This is the life-size version going to help us kind of illustrate what's going on uh, in 2018. But uh, many of you have made these resolutions before. Maybe you've made them in the past, or maybe you're thinking about making them this year. But uh, as it comes to your health, maybe you're thinking drink more water, eat more vegetables, eat more meals at home, eat more salads, lose more weight, kind of the health thing there. Or maybe you want to make more money, get more promotions, save more, give more, use more coupons. Maybe that was your resolutions. Uh, maybe according to exercise, you want to move more, sleep more, run more, exercise more, play more, spend more time outside. And the garden center doesn't count. All right? Um, spend more time with family, schedule more time, schedule more me time, love more, laugh more, smile more, forgive more, remember more birthdays, encourage more, your kids more, and call your mama more. Um, maybe with work, you wanted to uh, read more books. Or set more goals, network more, get more organized, become more confident, uh, be more decisive, uh, be open to more criticism, back your computer up more, do it, uh, risk more, fail more, achieve more, network more, finish more. Or maybe you're just kind of thinking about, hey, life in general, I want to enjoy more sunsets, journal more, go to more concerts, travel more, go to more movies, be more adventurous, go to more sporting events, get more cultured, send more handwritten letters, dream more, and always remember... That less is more. All right? We'll just kind of stop it right there. Um, all of us, uh, as we're looking at 2018, we're thinking about what more can happen in our lives. And that's, hey, that's, that's natural. That's, that's every one of us. None of us, wake up, none of us are going to wake up tomorrow morning and go, man, today is the day I hope I get demoted. I mean, that's just not in our hearts. None of us are going to go to our boss and go, man, you pay me way too much. Take some of that back. Just go ahead and do that. And none of you are looking at your retirement and going, man, my retirement advisor has done an amazing job. You just keep that next check. Um, it just doesn't happen. We want more. All of us that were thinking about, hey, it's 2018, it's a new year, there's more to come. And so, and that, like I said, that's a natural part of us. It's a part of our appetites. And all of us know what appetites are because you're sitting here at 1130 thinking about what's next on the appetite menu because you woke up at this morning and maybe you grabbed breakfast, maybe you didn't, but your appetite is going to begin to kick in. And I'll stop saying that word so you don't think about what's next for supper or lunch today. But 
All of us have appetites, and that's what I want to focus on this morning. There's three things I need to let you know as we're kind of walking into what appetites look like and what they are. Uh, Three things I need to tell you about your appetites. Number one, hey, your appetites, they're God-designed, God-created. God created your appetites, calls them desires. Psalm 37.4 says, hey, you delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll feed your appetite if you delight yourself in him. The only problem is that God created them, but sin distorts them. I mean, we have these appetites that God has given us, but, but this world has a way of twisting them. This world has a way of, of turning them into a way that they are not delighting themselves in the Lord, but more delighting ourselves in ourselves. Uh, the number, sec- number two thing I need to tell you about appetites is, hey, your appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. You know this because you, maybe you had breakfast this morning, maybe you didn't, but at lunchtime you're going to be hungry again. And at about six hours from then, you're going to be hungry again. It's just a natural cycle of your body. You need food, you need water, you need rest. You never get enough. You never get to the point where you've had the best meal ever and go, I'll never eat again. I am fully and finally satisfied. And that's how it works out when you look at money and maybe jobs, relationships. Your appetite is never fully and finally satisfied. And number three... Your appetites have a two-word vocabulary. One was in just about every one of those resolutions, more, and the other word is now. Your appetite never says, oh, wait, later, I don't need that right now, just, just later, it'll be fine later. No, your appetite has two-word vocabulary, uh, more and now. And you know who knows this better than anybody else on the planet? Apple. How many of you right now, just tell raise a hands, how many of you have an iPhone, iPad, iPod, something that was created by Apple? Just raise your hand real quick. Looky there. All right. They know this. All right. So I stood in line for the original iPhone. I mean, I had to have it, and I wanted it. I wanted more. I wanted it now. So I stood outside this stupid store for hours waiting so I could get the original iPhone. Since that point in time, Apple realized that my appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. I have had the iPhone. I've had the iPhone 3G. I've had an iPhone 4. Uh, Christina has an iPhone 4. Noah got an iPhone 5. Then Jacob jumped in, and he got an iPhone 6. Now, Noah and Jeremiah were due for an upgrade, and so was I. So I got an iPhone 6 Plus. They got an iPhone 6 Plus S. Then uh, Jacob upgraded to an iPhone 7. Anya comes in the picture. She's got an iPhone 7. Christina got the old iPhone 6. And then we went to the Apple store on Thursday afternoon. And it was awesome. I walked in the store and I had in my hand an iPhone X. Man, swipe up, down, left, right. Turn on that camera portrait mode. I mean, if you've got one, you know it. It's the stuff. I mean, I'm just telling you. Man, Christina doesn't know this yet, all right? I didn't buy one. I'm just kidding. There ain't no way I'm buying an iPhone X. But I would love, man, if you want to gift me one, I'll give you my address, all right? But, hey, do you realize also that if they continue with their pattern, what the next phone will be? It'll be the iPhone XS. More now. That's kind of funny. In 1999, Christine and I, we started at a new church, a much bigger church than the church that we started at uh, from seminary, and uh, this church, it had a, a pretty good-sized youth group, but uh, like any appetite, you know, I wanted to feed that. I wanted more, and I wanted it now, and so um, at the first church that we served, again, it was a much smaller youth group. It didn't require as much of my time or energy or thought or anything else. Um, this other youth group required a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of thought, 
um, on top of that, there were a group of, of people that really didn't want us there. I mean, really didn't want us there. And they made it very, very clear they didn't want us there. So that just drove me a little bit more to show, I'll show them, watch this. And so I spent lots of time trying to continue to build this youth group and see what God could do. Because I know what, hopefully you know, that if we can capture the heart of a teenager at 6th, 7th, 8th grade, man, God can do some amazing things. And so for the, for the thought of ministry, I said, I need to do more. And I need to do it now. And I spent more time at work. Uh, there was a, a youth event just about every weekend because the group was so big we had to divide up into smaller groups to do the activities. Um, on Tuesday, January 25th, we were headed to the hospital. I know this because Christina was going into labor with Jacob, our middle son. And uh, so Jacob, he was born on Wednesday, January 26th, uh, right there in the morning about 6 a.m. It was awesome. Uh, you know, seeing the birth of your child is just an incredible experience. And so to celebrate, I pointed out to Christina, it's Wednesday night. So uh, I know, man, we just had a baby. That's all. Whoa, good job, Mama. But I got to go to church. And so I left her there in the hospital and went to church so I could be with the youth group because that's important. I've got to do this. I've got to invest some time in there. I'd say more time passed, and Christina's parents kind of came down, you know, uh, after time and, and was driving us, I guess it was her and Noah and, and Jacob, kind of around um, LaGrange, and they passed the church. And my son Noah, real young at the time, not really knowing what he's saying, but he looks up at the church and he goes, Hey, that's where my daddy lives. That's what I did when they told me that. It's kind of a, it's a ha, 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 ha. That's not something you want to laugh about. So I got a nervous laughter because he was speaking truth. He was young. He didn't know better, but he knew something wasn't right. My daddy doesn't live at home. He lives up there. And that's what happens when you get caught up with your appetites. More now, more now. And we can kind of flush that out, you know, for you and for me, you know, Maybe you've all taken a job that you were like, man, this is it. This is the job, man. More money I've ever seen, more time, more opportunity. Man, this is the job I've been waiting for. But it requires more time, so you maybe stop spending a little more time with your family. So we just kind of pull that out. And at first, it's not noticeable at all. I mean, it's like, hey, nothing changed. Everything's good. You know, it's just the first week or the first month or the first year, and we're all good. But now the job requires you to spend a few more weekends at work to make sure things are happening the way they need to happen. So, hey, a few weekends and you begin to maybe disconnect with your spouse a little bit. And so you kind of pull some of that. It's like, ooh, that's, you know, that's probably not the best thing to do that I you know, should have thought about. But, you know, it happens. I've got the dream job. This is what we're going for here. This is what we've all been praying about. We're making more money. This is awesome. We've got a bigger house. This is good. And then it requires you to begin to travel more, and you begin to miss kids' birthdays. And so you kind of pull one out. It's like, hey, one birthday's not so bad. All right, but, you know, two birthdays, we start noticing. And then it just continues on and continues on until you're like, well, you know what? That guy at work, I know he'll do absolutely anything to beat me out in that promotion. I mean, he will lie, cheat, and steal to get me out of that promotion. You know what? I, he can't beat me out of that promotion. So we begin to do things that our integrity doesn't allow us to do. But we do it because we're, we're doing the thing. and We've got to make the job. We want more. We want it now. And it will do whatever it takes to make it happen. And eventually, the thing that you were going for, the thing you valued most, family and this job, you've lost it. Because you didn't just compromise a night or a weekend, but now you've compromised your integrity and your character 
and you've really lost it all. All for more. All for now. That's a hard thing to kind of wrap your mind around. And all of us, hopefully, I, I think I'm not just speaking for myself, all of us have, can look back and go, there are always, there's relationships we can point at that we wish we never started. There's jobs we wish we have never applied for, moves we wish you never made, parties we wish you never attended, uh, text messages we wish you never sent, sites we wish you never clicked on, invitations we wish we never would have accepted, but our, our appetites kept saying, more now, more now. Appetites can be dangerous. Man, they're, they're distorted by sin. They're never fully and finally satisfied. Uh, more now. And several people in the Bible knew this probably better than we know it ourselves. I mean, think about it. Think about Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn. He was uh, the one that would receive all of the birthright, all the most inherit, double the inheritance. And he comes in one day and he's like, oh, I am starving I mean, I'm so hungry, I could die. Jacob, give me a bowl of that stew you got going on there because I need something to eat. And Jacob said, oh, absolutely. I'd be glad to give you that bowl of stew. All I want is your birthright. Wait, no, 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 no. Double inheritance, the status of the firstborn. You want all of that for a bowl of stew. Absolutely. Esau wanted more. And he wanted it now. And he traded away his birthright for a bowl of stew. Samson knew this just as well as anybody else in the Bible. You know, Samson had this little girl kind of running around named Delilah. She'd come up to him and say, hey, what's the source of your strength? He would tell her the source of his strength. She would send people in to try to capture him, and he would escape. Because he really wouldn't tell her the source of his strength. So he began to lie a little bit, just kind of just a little lie. It's a white lie. Then she would come back and say, hey, what's the source of your strength? He'd tell her again, and they'd come in to try to capture him. He'd escape and laugh and ha 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 I lied to her again that's that's all good a third time she comes and asks the same question what's the source of your strength do you not trust me with this are you not all in in this relationship oh Samson tells her the source of his strength he looks like me now <laughs> and he lost everything he becomes a slave because he wanted more now. One other person in the Bible knew this all too well as well. And maybe it's somebody that you wouldn't even think about. His name is Solomon. Solomon was a king. Solomon had two recorded conversations in Scripture. The first one was when he was probably a teenager and was being ready to be kind of appointed as the next king in the line of David. He was David's son. And God had a conversation with him and said, whatever you ask for, I will give it to you. Whatever it is you want or desire, whatever your appetite is saying, more now of, God saying, I will give it to you, just ask me. And Solomon thought long and hard, and he says, God, you know what? What I need most of all is wisdom. God, I need wisdom. I'm young. I'm about to be king of Israel. I need wisdom. And God says, oh, you didn't ask for wealth. You didn't ask for power. But now that you have asked for wisdom, you get wisdom. You'll probably be the smartest man to walk the faith of this planet other than Jesus Christ. You have wisdom, absolutely. And because you didn't ask for the other, I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you power. And it is going to be an incredible reign of your kingdom. That's the first conversation. 
The second conversation, you don't have to turn here, I'll read this to you, happens at the end of the build of the temple and the palace that Solomon has accomplished. He has built a place for people to come and worship. There's no longer a tabernacle, a tent that they set up that moves from here to there to everywhere. There is now a temple that God will call his own that his people can go and worship him at. And God shows up and has a conversation with Solomon. And uh, this is what he says. He says, Whom, uh, When Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and achieved all that he desired to do, the Lord appeared to him a second time. And he appeared to him at Gibeon, as he appeared to him at Gibeon, and the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and plea and have made, uh, you've made before me. I have consecrated this temple which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my hearts will always be there. As for you, Solomon, if you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness as, your David, your, as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. As I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. God said to Solomon, good job, Solomon. You've built this place, and I have blessed it with my name, and I've got you. If you will just be faithful, live with integrity and uprightness, I've got you. There'll be nothing that you want or desire that I won't be able to give you if you'll just walk with me every step of the way. I've got you. How awesome is that? But God didn't stop the conversation there. He also said in verse number 6, But if you or your descendants turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you, and go off to serve other gods and worship then, then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them, and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and will scoff and say, Why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to its temple? People will answer, Because they have forsaken the Lord their God who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That is why the Lord brought disaster on them. Solomon heard these words from God. I mean, two appearances. One, he got wisdom and wealth and power. The next conversation, he's just finished the temple, and God says, I'm there. I will bless this place if you will walk with integrity and uprightness. I am here for you. But if you turn your back, if you desire the things of this world instead, I'll remove my name. And this temple will lie in rubble. After having that conversation with God, you know what Solomon did? He went and married Pharaoh's daughter. And with Pharaoh's daughter came Pharaoh's gods. With Pharaoh's gods came Pharaoh's temples and idols. But that wasn't enough for Solomon. I mean, he's feeding an appetite. He wants more now. The Bible tells us that Solomon had 700 wives and over 300 concubines. More now. He set up holy places so that each of his wives could worship their God. He did exactly what God had warned him against. 
all for the sake of more now. On a given year, tribute was given to the king. His tribute was about 25 tons of gold, the value at which at that time would have been about $1.1 billion worth of tribute. You'd think that would be enough, but under Solomon, the, the people of Israel were taxed heavier than most other kings because he wanted more now. He had everything that he could ever want. He was a king. He was without want. Yet he still wanted more now. His appetite was never fully and finally satisfied. Sin had distorted the very desires and appetites that God had placed in his heart. Solomon decides to write a book about maybe looking back over his life. This is much later on in Solomon's life. and He kind of begins to summarize how he's lived and what it's kind of come to. And that book's Ecclesiastes. And we're going to look just at a, a real short passage there. If you want to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, um, in, this, in this real small book here, uh, Solomon kind of begins to make some claims about the life that he's lived and the fruit that it's bared, the rewards that have been given to him as a result of all that he has done. And we want to look at that this morning because I think it will help us as we kind of look to 2018 and our appetites for more and how we can live with those things. So he's looking back over a lifetime of more now. And I want you to hear what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse number 4. Ecclesiastes 4, 4. And this is what Solomon wrote. He says, And I saw that all toil and all achievements spring from one person's envy of another. I mean, why do we chase after the things we chase after? Is it just because we want it? No, they've got it, so we need it. They have it, so I want it. It's kind of the old keeping up with the Joneses. And he says, hey, that's where all toil and all achievement spring from, one person's envy of another. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And then he says, just in case people get uh, caught up and go, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to just be chasing after the wind and live a meaningless life. So since they're pursuing everything and that's what the summation of their life is, I just won't do anything. I'll do nothing. I'll go in the total opposite direction. I'll just do nothing. And in verse number 5, Solomon says, you can't do that. Fools fold their hands and they ruin themselves. Verse number 6, better one handful of tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content. More now with his wealth. For whom am I tolling, he asked, and why have I deprived myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Do you hear how Solomon has described this appetite for more now that has led him to have 700 wives, 300 concubines, all the wealth of the world, taxing people, fleets unlimited, 
I mean, gems untold, the biggest palace, the incredible temple that he's built. I mean, he describes it as envy, meaningless, chasing after the wind, ruin, all alone. No family, no friends, no end to the toil, not content, deprived, and miserable. That is what sin-distorted appetites will lead you. That's where it will lead you. If you continue to answer the call of more now with a sin-distorted appetite, you will eventually lose what you consider most valuable. Whether it's a job, whether it's family, friends, relationships, you'll lose it. Aren't you glad you came today? Let's pray. I'm just kidding. There's good news. God's Word tells us there's good news in this. Appetites can be dangerous, but guess what? They can also be advantageous because God created those desires in you. You were made in his image. God created those desires. I mean, listen to what God's word says. Jesus showed up on the scene and he spoke some great things and somebody named John copied them down and wrote them down. We have them 2,000 years later to look at. And in John chapter 10, verse number 10, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, the thief Who's the devil, okay? Satan, our adversary, he is real, heads up. There is a battle going on. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. If you decide that you're going to chase after a sin-distorted appetite, Satan is cheering you on. He's like, go for it, man. Just keep running. Keep on going. More now. More now. He's on the sidelines just cheering you on because he wants to steal away your life. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, I have come that you might have life. There's a life that is found in Jesus Christ. And he didn't stop there. He says, and have it to the full. I want to tell you about this little word, full. It is a a little Greek word called Pariso, this one little word, full, have it to the full. Listen to what it means, that little Greek word, pariso. Exceeding some number, over and above, more than is necessary, super added. I like that word. Exceedingly abundant, supremely, something further, more, much more than all, superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, superiority, advantage, more imminent, more remarkable, more excellent. And Jesus says, if you find your life in me, I will give you that life and I will exceed that life. I will give it to the full. Man, who wants that life? Who wants that appetite? That's the appetite that I want. I want the one that Jesus says that I will have not only life, but life to the full. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, this is how Paul describes God. He says, hey, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be all glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God can do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Desire, appetites, God created those in us. And Jesus is ready to give you abundantly more than you can even think about. God is, can give you immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. So what do we do with these appetites? 
Well, I believe we've got to put some parameters around them. Some safeguards around them. And so this morning, we're gonna, there's probably a whole lot we could do. We're going to talk about three of them real quick. When it comes to our appetites, what safeguards, what parameters do we need to put around those, those things? All right. So first of all, our appetites, they should be grounded in Scripture. Our appetites should be grounded in Scripture. So when we think about appetites, and you're trying to think about how we can become after the things that God wants us to chase after. Maybe we start with somewhere like Romans 15, 13, that simply says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now that's an appetite that I want. I want, I mean, anybody else want all love and peace from God? Absolutely. Because he can give immeasurably more than you ask and imagine. I can't imagine the love and peace that God gives. It's incredible. All we have to do is trust in him. And the reason he gives it to us is so we can overflow. I'll, take the, I'll be your overflow, God. Please use me as your overflow. Ground your appetites in scripture. How about Proverbs 13, 20, which simply says, Hey, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fool... The companion of fools suffers harm. So how about you wrap your appetites around that, that you just say, you know what, God, I want to make sure that the choices that I make, the appetites that I follow, that I'm living them out according to the wisdom that you have. Help me not to surround myself with fools. Because it's not that they're going to be suffering harm, but because I'm in a relationship with them that I may suffer harm. James 1.5 kind of backs that up. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom... Hey, you should ask God because he freely gives it. He freely gives it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. It says, real simple, you can memorize this, rejoice always. That's 16. Verse 17, pray continually. Verse 18, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's just some appetites to wrap your mind around. That's some scripture to ground an appetite in. Hey, God, what do I need to do? Okay, I need to rejoice more. That's what I need. I need to rejoice more in Christ. I need to pray more. That's what you want me to have an appetite for, God, for spending time alone with you, hearing from you, sharing my heart, sharing my desires with you so that I don't stray. I don't let sin distort them. What do I need to do? I need to give more thanks. Because that's what you would want me to do, God. It says right there in 1 Thessalonians, that's your will in Christ Jesus. So we're going to ground our appetites in Scripture. But we're not going to stop there. We also want to allow these appetites to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, we talk about God a whole lot. We we're just singing a second ago, show us your glory, God. Man, God is creator God. God's the one that, that made us in his own image. God is the one that we can have a relationship with that is so intimate that we can call him uh, our heavenly father. And even deeper than that, we can, through Jesus, call him Abba Father, which is like dad. 
So we have intimate relationship and knowledge of God. We know Jesus because he came from heaven to earth. He lived a perfect life. He gave that perfect life as a sin offering for you and for me on the cross. He was killed on a cross, buried, and then on the third day he rose again and is now our Savior and Lord. We know Jesus. But then there's Holy Spirit. Francis Chan wrote a book. It's simply entitled Forgotten God. Because we know God and we know Jesus, but Holy Spirit, it's kind of like, mm, I'm not, that's like a ghost or something, right? I don't know about that. But Jesus sent Holy Spirit to us. Listen to what he said. And this just sounds crazy, but in John chapter 16, verse 7, he says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. In verse 13, But when he, the Spirit of truth, Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. There is not a situation in my life where if Jesus spoke into it and said, hey, it's good that I'm leaving you, that I'd be going, yeah. But that's exactly what he just told his disciples. It's good that I'm going to leave you because I can be with you. I can be next to you, but I'm going to spend Holy Spirit to you who's going to live in you. And that's better. And so we want to allow the Holy Spirit to guide our appetites. We want to make sure that, that when we're thinking about what we want to pursue with our lives and what relationships we want to pursue and what jobs we want to pursue and, and how we want to raise our kids, that, that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into those appetites. What would it look like if you decided to let the Holy Spirit have full control of your life? You just said, here's all my appetites. Holy Spirit, you live them out. What would it look like? It would look like this. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit. His byproduct. What he would do in your life if you gave him full reign, full control. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy. Peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I don't know about you, but as I look along that list, I think to myself, I need, oh, I want, more, I want more love in my life, especially the love that the Holy Spirit could put into my life because it's the love of God. It only comes from God. He doesn't speak on his own. He speaks only what he's heard. I'll use more of that love. Is there anybody in the room who could use a little more patience? Absolutely. Anybody that can use a little more kindness, gentleness, faithful? What if it's 2018, this is the year of faithfulness. Holy Spirit, give me more faithfulness. That's what my appetite desires. That's what I want more now of is faithfulness. He'll give it to you. All of us need more self-control. He'll give it to you. Our appetites need to be grounded in Scripture. They're guided by Holy Spirit. Because that's what Jesus said he would do. He would guide you. And last but not least, our appetites should be guarded with accountability. Remember back in Ecclesiastes, Solomon began to describe what it looked like in his life, the things he had pursued. He said it was a life of envy and meaningless and chasing the wind, of being alone and miserable. But then he follows it in verse number 9 of that same passage. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, this is what he says. He says, hey, two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. 
But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Verse number 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can, be, can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Not only do we want to ground our appetites in Scripture and allow them to be guided by the Holy Spirit, but we want to guard our appetites with accountability. Gary Keller is the uh, founder of Keller Williams Real Estate. They're, they're around the Auburn, Opelika area. They're all over the, the, the United States. Uh, multi-million dollar country, uh, company. And he says that accountability is the breakfast of champions. Someone that has probably made more money than you and I will ever see, ever, ever, ever. And he says, I need accountability to guard my appetites. I need someone that can speak into my life when I begin to distort the appetites that God has given me. Who is that for you? Who has the, the open mic to your life to ask the questions? Hey, you took that new job and it's taking a little more time. If I were to ask your wife how things are going, what would she say? Ooh. Who has the opportunity to, to ask you, um, hey, I noticed you, you started that new relationship with that guy or that girl. You know, how's that going and, and how are they encouraging you in your walk and your faith? Who are you going to allow that kind of access to your life? Because appetites can be distorted by sin. They're never fully and finally satisfied. And their language is more now. You need someone that can speak up and go, oh, wait. Maybe later. Maybe that's enough. So as we think about our appetites, we want them grounded in Scripture. We want them guided by the Holy Spirit. We want them guarded by accountability. And we want to realize that some of them can be dangerous. But some of them can be advantageous because God created these desires in us. What if in, in 2018 we just said, you know what, I want... I want more Jesus. That's what I want in 2018. I'll take more of him. That would be awesome. That would be incredible. Look at him go down there. You stinking thing. <laughs> it worked in the first service. What if you decided in, uh, in 2018 you wanted more mission? What if you wanted more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? What if you wanted all the things that God desired for you? Hey, it works. It's all right. How about if we just said, you know what? <laughs> God, I want more of you. I want so much more of you, and that's really all I want. God, I want more grace, more opportunities, more faithfulness, more forgiveness, more hope in 2018. What if you ask God for that? Guess what? He can do immeasurably more than you ask and imagine. Guess what? Jesus said, I've come to give you life, that you can have it to the full. So I pray that 2018 is your best year yet. That it's the year that you give the most glory to God. But I also ask, like Esau, is there a bowl of stew that's out there that you'd be willing to trade everything for and lose it all? Is there a seductive temptation out there like Samson and Delilah that keeps coming back and says, hey, what's the source of your strength? What's the source of your strength? Tell me. Come on. 
Or is there an appetite that's so big and so large that would cause you to totally disregard where God has shown up and spoken things into your life? And you go, nah, that's, that's just, I want more now. I pray that 2018 is the year that we decide that we want the God appetites that he's put inside of us. That we'll delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart. I think it's going to be an incredible year. We've got to trust in him. Let's pray together.